Dear friends, I'd ask you to turn with me, please, your prayerful attention to the last portion of God's Word that I read to you in your hearing, the Epistle to the Philippians, and the third chapter. We will allude to the passages that we read to in a moment from Ezekiel. But I want you just to turn there, so I take for my text, Philippians chapter 3 and the verse 3. Philippians chapter 3 and the verse 3, taking for my text these words. The Apostle Paul, writing to believers at the church at Philippi, he tells us, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Let me read those words again. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. I suppose we could write over these words, the theme, what truly is it to be a child of God? What is it to be a Christian? What is it to be a true worshipper of God? How do we know whether we're going to heaven? How do we know whether we worship the true and the living God? Well, we read, didn't we, there from Ezekiel. Ezekiel, by the way, the prophecy of Ezekiel, the Lord gave him night visions as the people were in captivity. And as he was by the river Kiba, and there were visions of heaven, and God's temple, God's people, and the circumcised, and the Son of God entering into the gate of the city, the east gate. The east gate was the gate of the great king. And the great king, the king not only of Jerusalem and of Israel, but the king of kings, the Lord of glory, came into this world. The church at the time of Ezekiel was in a terrible state. Much of Jerusalem lay in ruins. The people were wondering, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the Messiah? Many of them wondering. But God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And God would have, as we read there, not a people that would be merely circumcised outwardly in the flesh, but in the heart. That was God's promise, to give a new heart. Man by nature is not concerned about a new life. Man is not really concerned about the filth of his sin. That's really what circumcision pictures. It pictures the filthiness of our hearts, the stench of our sin, the uncleanness of the human heart. But God has promised to give a new heart. And that's why I read from Philippians chapter 3. Because we're told there in Ezekiel, the king will come and he will open the gate of the city and he will shut it. And you notice Ezekiel 44 verse 2, Then said the Lord unto me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. 
therefore it shall be shut. And those who are the Lord's, it's the prince that comes in, the prince of peace, and he makes peace on behalf of his people. You study these marvelous chapters in Ezekiel. It pictures the king that would come into the city and would save his people. And ultimately, it's a picture of heaven. Heaven, where God's circumcised people in heart shall be. And he shuts the gate, and no man shall open it. Did you know that those words are also found in Revelation chapter 3 and the verse 7? To the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write these things, saith he that is holy, that is true. He that has the key of David. Of course, David was the great king of the city, wasn't he? And remember, he's also styled, or Elkanah, Eliakim, should I say, in the Old Testament, in the days of Hezekiah, was said to have the keys of David. And he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. They're speaking about heaven. The promise to give his people there at the church of Philadelphia a home in heaven. And not only he that opens doors of opportunity, but what God does, as he did to Noah. Remember, when Noah went into the dark, who shut the door? The Lord shut him in. And it's true for all who are God's kingdom members. Nothing will ever separate the love of God from his people that is in Jesus Christ. John Gill says with regards to Christ, and that passage that I read from Ezekiel concerning the Christ, and also here in Philippians, Christ who is the brightness of his Father's glory, whose glory is the glory of the only begotten of the Father, and here he's speaking of that passage in Ezekiel 42. He says, here is meant that same one, the Lord, who is glorious in all of his attributes, glorious in all of his name, has the glory of the Father, who is the mediator, is displayed here in Ezekiel as the glory of God is come in from the way of the east, says John Gill. And it says, which agrees with him, his character as the rising sun of righteousness and with his incarnation, when as the day spring from a high from heaven, he visited us, was born in the east where his star appeared from this part of the world, his gospel first came. Here it was first preached and churches planted. And though these parts have been forsaken by him a long time, he will return hither again. The Lord Jesus did enter into Jerusalem. He did enter through the gate, lowly, riding upon that colt, that foal of an ass, to take the sin of his people, to wash away their sin, to bear their iniquity, and then finally, to be taken up to glory and soon come again. And you know what? He will usher in a new heavens and a new earth and at the close of the book of the Revelation, nothing will enter as we read there in Ezekiel 
ever enter the city of God. Now we come to this passage here in Philippians where Paul is writing to Christians. And let me say this, this is a gospel sermon this evening and I wish to address us all, not merely unbelievers, but Christians. The whole context of this epistle is Paul is writing to a Gentile church and he is warning them of those who say that they are circumcised and they believe in Jesus Christ, but they're trusting in their circumcision. They're trusting in their outward right. And that was the problem in the Old Testament. We read there in Ezekiel how there were those that were circumcised outwardly, but they weren't circumcised inwardly. They had confidence in their own circumcision. It was a right. What was circumcision? We're told in Romans chapter 4, verse 12, it was a sign and seal of the righteousness of Abraham's faith. Not of a man's faith, but of Abraham's faith. That is what circumcision did. It pointed to the faith that Abraham, the blessing that Abraham had before he was circumcised. He was circumcised inwardly in the flesh. Now we want to ask the question tonight. What truly is a Christian? I have three primary objectives here this evening as we come to this text of Philippians 3.3. 3. What are they? First of all, to preach the gospel of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. That is my primary ambition and aim and objective this evening. Secondly, to give you three distinct marks of the effect of those who know Jesus Christ. Three distinct marks of those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Also, to show up to expose hypocrisy. If we think we're a child of God and we're trusting in outward right, form, or ritual, that's what the Jew trusted in. We're reminded of that even in Ezekiel as we read it. There were those circumcised in flesh but not in heart. And the Lord says these people cannot enter at all. It's circumcision of the heart, which means a new person, a new work. But ultimately in this, my objective is to glorify God in the ministry of his word. Now let me say, as I address the unsaved, I don't know who is saved and the pastor is never to assume anything. The Lord knoweth them that are his. But maybe there's somebody here tonight, we all might think that person is a Christian. But maybe they're lost. Could even be a church member. And I would like to think that everyone that is a church member is a saved person. But we must always surely examine our own hearts, especially if we're Christians here tonight. You know, this is something, and I never want to undermine, let me say this, I never want to undermine if you have true assurance. But we must always check on what grounds that assurance is based. Always. It's always a healthy thing to do, isn't it? You know? 
you, uh, you don't just say, well, you walk up to the cash machine and you, you believe what the machine tells you you have in the bank. You want to see the bank statement as well, I trust, because computers can get things wrong even. There's so much fraud today. There's so much hypocrisy, isn't there? It's not what we imagine. What does God's word say? Well, the unsaved Jews, and so many, trust in rite and ceremony, like circumcision, ritual. We saw even this morning, didn't we? Adonijah holding on to the horns of the altar. And then we see Joab. These men, they lived like devils the rest of their life. But in the hour of trial, they would cling on to something. And people will, will cling on to something. What are you clinging on to? Well, my dear friends, faith with the unseen eye rests solely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Trusting in no other but Jesus Christ for my hope of heaven, for my righteousness, for my wisdom, for my sanctification. For my everything, for my heaven, I am trusting in one man alone, and that is the God-man, Christ Jesus. That is my hope as a Christian. Not even my church attendance. That cannot make me a Christian. It might evidence that I am one. But it's not the grounds, it's not the basis of my salvation. I trust. Because we fail in these things, do we not? Now, Paul, as we come to verse 1, Philippians 3, this is a, a loving church, the church of Philippi. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. This is a commandment. And uh, we begin there. Do you rejoice in the Lord? Where's your hope tonight? Do you know the Lord? Is he your Lord? And do you rejoice in him? Well, Paul did. Where was Paul? Paul was in prison, about to face his executors. There he was. And he even knew that his death was quite imminent. He says, to write the same things to you, to me, indeed is not grievous. In other words, he's going to tell them something. He said to them before, uttered to them, but for you it is safe or necessary. See the word there? That's what it means. It, it's, it's necessary. It's not grievous. He's repeating what he has told them before. The same things unto you. What does he say now? He says, beware of dogs. Now I know this is not flattering language. He's not here speaking of canines. He's not speaking of animals. But he is speaking of people who are dog-like. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Most commentators would say that he is speaking about the same people. And I believe that is the case. Beware of evil workers. And here he is speaking about those who will claim to be the true workers of God's word. Who claim to sow the seed. He says, beware of these people. Beware of the concision. Dr. John Gill says these are one and the same people. 
evil workers. These men, under the great pretext of building up the church as good workers, they did nothing but ruin people's souls. And that's what these people were doing. These Jewish men who claimed to be true Christians but were taking men back to circumcision. He says this, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. He nails it down to the people. Who are these people? Concision simply means those who cut up, cut up the flesh. He means those who circumcise. Concision of the flesh, referring to circumcision. Yeah, that, that's really what he's speaking about. He's saying, beware of these men, because really they subvert the gospel. They're saying, you've got to go back to the Jewish custom of rites and rituals. You've got to go back to circumcision. Of course, as I explained, what did circumcision represent? Well, if you just turn to Romans 4.11, it says here of Abraham, and he received the sign of circumcision. Now notice, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, Abraham had, yet being uncircumcised. You see, it was a sign and seal of Abraham's faith. And so when the Jew looked down below and he was circumcised, it was saying, I need a new heart. Abraham was circumcised on the inside first. He received that blessing of a new heart. That's what I need. Ultimately, this is what my outward circumcision is saying to me. I need to be clean on the inside. But you see, there are those who are saying, well, you need to clean up on the outside. Now, of course, the Christian is concerned about sin, but not right to make himself right with God. R-I-T-E and R-I-G-H-T. Those are two different words with two different meanings. Right does not make you right with God, does it? It's right to obey, but it's only Christ that changes the heart. It's only Christ that cleanses from sin by his blood. It's only by Jesus Christ. So what are the marks? He says, beware of these people that teach you that you must go back to the Jewish custom of rite and ritualism. These things are dangerous because it takes the eye off the Lord Jesus and your your eye is on something you do to be right with God. Your focus is going back to that time of circumcision. Either when you were eight days old or when you became a so-called proselyte Christian, which there's no such thing as that, becoming a Christian by circumcision. It's the new birth. Well, I want us to notice three things here. He says, notice by way of contrast, he says, beware of the concision, beware of these men, for we are the circumcision. He says, we want to tell you, we are the true circumcised. And here he's not speaking about outward circumcision. Now what are the marks of the one who is 
of the true circumcision, for we are the circumcision, number one, which worship God in the Spirit. That's the first mark. You don't need some object to worship God. You worship God with your spirit, with your heart. As the preacher brings you to the word of God and he he speaks of sin and he speaks of the very fact that the sacrifices in the Old Testament could never take away sin, could never remove sin, could never remove the guilt year after year, lamb after lamb, bullock after bullock, feast after feast, nothing, no rite, no ritual, None of those things, all of those things were pointing the children of God, the true children of God, who were looking by faith to the Savior to come. The Lamb of God, who when John saw him coming, said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's not the sin of all men, but men in the world, all kinds of men, all types of men, all men who would look to Christ, all men who would believe upon Christ, by the grace of God, they will look and they will live just as Moses lifted up the serpent upon the the brazen rod. And men looked to that brazen serpent and lived. They were smitten, were they not? With the vipers, dying, of poisonous wounds. But yet they were told to look the brazen serpent. And if they did, they'd live. Never been heard of it before. But the Lord Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that all who look to him shall be saved. We worship God in the Spirit. We see, we believe God's Word. Our Spirit testifies, this is true, I believe it. God sent salvation into this world. God sent His Son into this world to die for wretched sinners that could never save themselves. See these people, where are they perishing? In the wilderness, no help, no medicine, no cure. Many were dying all around and we are dying men. But this is the living word. And the word which is preached to you, says Peter. Dying men, but the living word. And we worship God in the spirit. Men in the Old Testament, countless times, where they're not making objects, look at Aaron, look at the people. Not so long after they left Egypt. He says, these be the gods that saved thee. Could it be? No. See what God did to the people there. To Aaron, the men were taken and slain. Aaron was spared. We read, didn't we, earlier from Isaiah? God says, my glory I will not give to another. Yes, that's what he said. 
Well, we read in Isaiah, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people are as grass, so dying men with the living word, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And Peter says, by the same word you were born again. We looked and we lived. But we believe in a God who said, and who has said, and has not changed, my glory I will not give to another, and not will not give my praise to graven images. But people do. They'll either glory in their circumcision, in their baptism, or something, and they'll have confidence in that. But we are the true circumcision. You see, all the saints of old were looking throughout the Old Testament, looking by faith in the promises of God to send His Son, His dear Son. And what was the mark of all of Abraham's faith, or all of Abraham's seed? They had faith. These were the children of the promise, not the natural seed. And you know, Abraham was promised many from a Gentile world. Guess what? That promise has come true. I don't see any Jews here tonight, at least that I know. But God has fulfilled and fulfilling that promise to Father Abraham that he should have of the heathen and to his son a multitude of people which no man can number. And what marks, dear friend, child of God. They worship God in spirit. Not the way we want. You hear people saying how they do church. We don't do church. We don't do God. We worship God. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. This is not will worship. We come and we believe the Word of God. And the things of God are spiritual. They are understood by those who are spiritual. If you don't understand, pray. It's not wrong to pray if you don't believe. Pray. It might be the very fact that you've come to see that you don't understand. That that is God that has brought you to see. Remember what he said to the Jews in John 9. They said, we see We were not born in sin like this blind man. They said, we see. He said, well, because you say you see, he says you're still in your sin. And they were shutting that blind man who the Lord Jesus Christ gave sight to. They shut him outside of the temple. We studied it this morning with the children. And that's why he began in John 10 to say, I am the door. I am the door to the temple And I am the good shepherd. I am all of these things. Do we see that? There's no entrance apart from Christ. We worship the Son of God. We read in Ezekiel how Christ will come. And what did he do? He came with healing in his wings. He came into this world. How does he heal? How does he heal his people? Well, By his stripes are we healed. By the affliction that he bore upon the cross at Calvary, he took away the enmity that was between God the Father and his people. That's what he did. And you know, you come by faith if you're a child of God, believing 
that there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You, you come freely as a sinner and you acknowledge there's nothing I can give to God. I simply trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ who did all of my living for me and who did all of my dying for me. And there's nothing left for me to do than to worship God in spirit and in truth now. And I do so by yielding my life to him as a living sacrifice. You see, worship is not something we we simply do when we come in here on the Lord's Day. But it's your whole life. Your life now is about Christ, about how you serve him. With a Jew, it was on certain days, and you give a certain of this and certain of that in certain areas of your life. Well, that was for you. But for the Christian, the whole of his life is for Christ. Not like the Jew, it was always, yes, they gave their tithes, and they were scrupulous over that, but they did so in a very, we could say, miserly way, and in a very measured way. It wasn't from the heart. It wasn't liberal giving. It wasn't from the soul filled with gratitude of all that Christ has done for his people. It was never done like that. It was legalism. And you see, that's what false religion will lead you into. You can do what you want. Just perform some ritual, some rite. Go and say some confession somewhere. I was caught up in it as a young boy. Lost in the darkness of Rome. It's bondage. But whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Know Christ. Now we worship him. You, you, you can't worship somebody you don't love. Somebody you don't know. You worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what the Lord said, didn't he? And what, what do you know about God's people? There's a heart for him. They love to talk about Christ. They love to sing about Christ. And you can see it on their countenance. You can see it on their face. They love Christ. These are God's people. Remember the Samarian woman that came to the well? The Lord Jesus said to her, But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And God forbids, dear friends, let me say, any image made of him or of the angels, and we would ever bow down to those angels. In the book of Revelation, John wants to give worship to an angel, and the angel forbids him. We worship God in spirit and in truth. And the Lord says, but to this man will I look, even to him that is of a prawl and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. So that's the first thing. What is this fear? What is this trembling? What is this worshipping in spirit and in truth? Well, it's coming to God with a sense of the greatness of God and the smallness of our people and with a sense of our unworthiness before him. That's truly what causes us to worship him, to love him. 
You see, this is why anything else, if we, we do something to try to merit ourselves with God, we, well, we think we're halfway there. My friends, we're nowhere there without Christ. Nowhere. It's Christ or nothing at all, which worship God in spirit and in truth. This is your spirit. Numa is the word. Of course, the word of God teaches us our smallness and so on. Which worship God in spirit, secondly, and rejoice in Christ Jesus. That's the second thing. My friend, who is Christ Jesus to you? Remember the question posed, who saith that I am? Remember the answer that came back. Some say, Elijah. Some say this, some say that, some say a prophet. Yes, but who do you say that I am? That's the important question. You as a person, me as a person. Who is Christ? He's Lord. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is everything. He is God the Son, who is no less equal. He is very God. Equal with the Father. Co-eternal. The Spirit of God, eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. And Christ, whoever has the Spirit of Christ is his. Who worship Christ Jesus and who rejoice in Christ Jesus. Well, the word here, rejoice. Some say the meaning of the word is glory. But it's not the word here, but it can mean that. Who rejoice. Well, you rejoice in something that's great, don't you? And is Christ not great? Look at his person. Look at his character. I mean, people for millennia have tried to pick some flaw, some fault in Christ. But they have all come to that great conclusion as Pilate had to, as he washed his hands and even went through that ceremony. I find no fault in him. Herod the same could find no fault in him. People have found, tried to find fault, but they never can. In fact, most of the world, there's so many phrases quoted in the world from Christ. He is wisdom. He knows all things. The parables are tremendously powerful. We rejoice in Christ. Why do we rejoice in him? Because there was no other way in which God could save wretched sinners. All in Adam die. I mean, look at the world. Is there any hope for it? Men are dying. They're dying because they're sinners. The wages of sin is death. Adam, we're told, was made a living soul. But Adam was told, Adam, the day in which thou sinnest, thou shalt surely die. And he began to experience a spiritual death until God came. Adam, where art thou? And that's what he does for each and every one of his people. And he comes and he finds 
that soul that is dead in trespasses and sins. And we make excuses. And we, he brings us to the end of ourselves. And then we find all the promises in the second Adam. The first Adam was made a living soul, but we're told that the last Adam was made a life-giving spirit. God is spirit, and he is the one who gives life, the one who spoke the universe into being, speaks a man into being a new creature. Whoever is in Christ is a new creature. The same spirit, the spirit of God, is the spirit of Christ who quickens a man. You think of that. And there is a new nature. And when that happens, you begin to rejoice in Jesus Christ. You no longer consider him just to be a man. Remember the, the hymn that we've sung so often, What Think Ye of Christ? It is the test. Isn't it? It's the great test, isn't it? Paul says, we are the true circumcision. Do you want to know about circumcision? What is circumcision? Paul says in Romans 2, he says, one who is a true Jew is circumcised not on the outward, but inwardly, for circumcision is that of the heart. It's not something that is affected by baptism. That's why we completely reject this idea that circumcision of the heart Man can be regenerated by baptism. It's a nonsense. But that is taught. Sadly, it is God that makes a man a new creature. It is the work of grace. And it's irreversible. The spirit has changed. Put into a new family, into the family of God. And you rejoice in Jesus Christ. We despair in Adam. We despair in right, in ritual, unless there is a change of God in the heart. You see, it's precisely those that have been circumcised in the heart and have these spirits, they rejoice in Christ Jesus. They contemplate the love of Christ and it constrains them. That's what makes, some of you may wonder, what makes the Christian tick? A man said to me, in the open air this week, I was just telling somebody earlier. He says, I want to know, what, why do you come out here? Do you, you get a kick out of coming out, of here, uh, coming out here and telling us what for? I said, my friend, I hope I never tell you what for. I said to him, he said, I come out because God, his name is blasphemed every day. I said, and I can't bear that men do not give God the glory. I said, look at the sun out there, my friend. It was a beautiful day. The sun was coming out. I said, all the air that you breathe and everything that you... God's given it. I said, what glory have you given to God? I said, I don't know you, but you're telling me you don't know God. He said to me, I want to know this one thing. He said, I was telling my friend, he said, what does God think? I said to him, I'll tell you, I think... What I think God thinks is what he said in his word. I'm not going to second guess what God says. I said, what he said, he said in his word. And what he has said is that he is angry with sinners every day. Why? Because they do not glorify him. 
And they do not rejoice in Jesus Christ. They hate him, in fact. I said, another reason I come out here is because I'm burdened for men's souls. I come out because I care for the people of Hemel Hempstead. And I long to see people praising God and their lives changed. I said, my friend, I was once in darkness. I once scorned the gospel. I once despised the riches of God's grace in Jesus Christ. I I once despised all these things. I said, that's why I come out. Because of the truth. The truth is the truth. Then he said, I was listening to this panel of neuroscientists. I said, my friend, the neuroscientists don't know anything about God. I said, read the word of God. You get your answer there. What has God said? My glory, I will not give to another. Men are walking upon this earth like little gods and giving glory to themselves, not to the God of heaven and earth and whom they will have to account to soon. And that's why we should go out, first of all, for the glory of God. And we, if we know Christ, we should glory in Christ Jesus. And we should rejoice in Christ Jesus. And something else he tells us, and have no confidence in the flesh. What does that mean? It it means, never mind circumcision, but your whole mind. We have no confidence in man. Not in traditions. See, where traditions have got us. Remember what the Lord said to the Pharisees? By your vain traditions, you make null and void the law of God. He said, you strain at gnats and you swallow camels. Yeah. That's why there's so much darkness in so many religious quarters. So let us examine. Do we know the Lord Jesus? Have we been circumcised in heart? That really means, do you have a new heart? Or you're proud of the old, you see? The one who has a new heart, he says, not me. He said, God's done it. God's done a mighty work in me. The new heart never takes pride, but is humbled in the dust. Gives glory to Christ, worships in the spirit, has no confidence in the flesh. Doesn't even trust himself. Trusts in the Lord. The outward man, you run to all the books of this world. I use commentaries, but they're not my authority. The Word of God is my authority. And heaven forbid if I don't preach it. I don't trust in my thinking even, my own biases, my own understanding. I have to come as a little child every time I come to God's word. And everybody that is circumcised in heart has no confidence in himself, but every confidence in God. Isn't that wonderful? How wonderful it is to be a little child. I remember the time as a little boy when I just trusted my father for everything. 
It's a wonderful feeling. But of course, when you grow up, you realize, like your parents, we're all sinners, aren't we? But the one thing is, friend, there is one that we will never find a single fault in, never a lie in, Jesus Christ. You know, if there were years in heaven, well, there'd be one eternal glory, won't there? We will say, Behold the man. And what will we say? For millennia to come, I find no fault in him. And I tell you this, if you follow Christ by the grace of God, you never will find a fault. How blessed it is to be in Christ. Friends, don't even look to the church. Churches are good, and churches ought to teach the truth, and they should do. But if the church is not preaching the word of God, it's not a church. A church is a church that has these marks. Really a church, the bride of Christ. Worship Christ Jesus, God in spirit. But do what else? Rejoice in Christ. And have no confidence. In the flesh. That is a true church. And that is a church and a people to be amongst. May we be amongst God's people. May Christ be our teacher. The one who made heaven and earth and who has become our salvation. Amen.